Hello and welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me today is not Josh Cacho. It is the inestimable Joe Lowry. Back on the show, second time appearance. Joe was able to carve out an hour or so here for uh, for the Counter Press in between his Bleacher Report, Total Soccer Show, whatever else he has going on. He's, he's like the busiest man in soccer, I feel, but welcome, Joe. Kirk, thank you so much for having me back. You and Josh were, were wonderful last time. I genuinely enjoy listening to the show each week. You guys do a, a fantastic job of breaking the game down in a way that I, I really love, and I'm sure that surprises no one. So no, thank you for having me back. And, and believe it or not, listeners, I didn't pay Kirk any anything to say all those nice things about me. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely didn't pay Joe. This is, uh, this is we make zero money on this podcast, so... Uh... We're not paying anybody anything. So thank <laughs> you for those kind words, Joe. Um, so we we wanted to have Joe on um, for all the listeners because we wanted to get a, kind of an outsider's perspective on uh, on what he sees from LAFC that is causing them to have early success or you know potential pitfalls down the road. Um, so we're we're thrilled to have we're thrilled to have Joe. Um, we have a couple listener questions for you. We can we typically save those to the end. I think some of them will be answered uh, based on the questions just through the through the regular discourse here. Um, so Joe, uh, the floor is yours. What have you seen from LAFC that has either led to success or? things that you, you know, concerns that you see red flags for later on, but you know, what's your, what's your initial take on, on Dolo ball? So there's a, a lot of different ways this could go, right? I think the most natural talking point for this team and one that I've written about some this season is zeroing in on the differences between this year and last year, and more specifically between Dolo ball, which is an epic term. I think that, that and sorry <laughs> ball might be my two I, favorite I balls. cannot take credit for it. It's like an LAFC Twitter <laughs> it's thing. It's good. So. It's good. Dolo ball and then and then Bob Bradley ball last year, right? And, and earlier on in Bob Bradley's tenure, there's a natural tendency to make comparisons and to draw comparisons between those two things. And I think that's important. So we'll talk some about that. One, one interesting trend, I think, from early on in this season is just how much LAFC have had the ball. Right. I was looking at yeah. some stats earlier today and thinking about this early on in the season after the after the first month. They've had the ball like 58 percent of the time. Their mm-hmm. possession percentage is sitting around right around 58 percent, which is the second highest, I believe, in MLS just behind Austin. And, and one thing that's interesting to me there is the schedule that LAFC have had. Right. Because we have such a small sample size, LAFC have had a ton of the ball. But it's not surprising when you think about playing Colorado, Portland, Miami, and Vancouver in your first four games. I'm not sure you right. can find four teams that are going to give you more of the ball than than those four. You, you might be able to find one or two, but it's a pretty bending list of opponents there, right? I mean, they'll, yeah. they'll let you have yeah. a lot of the ball. So I think it's interesting to contrast how much LAFC have had the ball with Dolo's stated intention, right? Earlier on, before he takes over this, or before the season starts, right? In preseason, he talks about wanting to ratchet up the explosiveness in transition, right? And so those things aren't mutually exclusive, having a lot of the ball and and wanting to be explosive in transition. I think we're seeing both of those things. I don't think we've seen, and I wrote this, sweeping changes to LAFC's game model. I think they're still largely trying to play the same style of soccer that Bob Bradley implemented with tweaks. And we'll talk about those Mm -hmm. tweaks maybe as we go through. But I think largely between the opponents being a little strange to start the season off and LFC getting good results, certainly, and credit to them for that, between 
the, the opponents giving you a lot of the ball, but LAFC want to have a lot of the ball and some of the tactical changes and tweaks we've seen from this year to last year. There's a lot of interesting things happening with this team right now. And that coupling of the transition focus, which we see borne out on the field and in the numbers, with the possession focus as well is an interesting thing that really all top teams, and I do think LAFC with the ambition they have, should be considered a top team of Major League Soccer. It's it's a balance that pretty much all top teams have to strike. And so far, the results have been good for LAFC as they do. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think um, I think you're you're spot on. The the opponents are weird. So, like you said, it's a, it's not only a small sample size, but um, there might be some some lurking variables there when you go into look at data because you're facing Colorado who were in CCL, right? So we've seen those teams struggle early on in the season. Then you face Portland with their anti-football ways, <laughs> and they went down a man as well. They got an early goal. Typically, when they do that, they just, you know, they they pack it in. It's it's like Jose Mourinho punishment ball. Um, and then let's see. Then it was Miami in the hurricane. So yep. again, it, they went down because Breck Shea decided he didn't want to play the second <laughs> half of that game. Uh, and then the final match was against Vancouver. So again, like you said, it's. It's it's tough to say based on these opponents. I think uh, with the two upcoming matches against Orlando and and, yes. and Galaxy, you'll get a better. Although Galaxy, to those games are just they're pandemonium. So sometimes it's not uh, it's not always the best game to look at to actually analyze what's going on. Um, but I, I do agree that it's it's largely the same game model. I think there, like you said, there's some tweaks, and I should I should warn you, uh, we're going to trigger LAFC fans with the word tweaks. JT, John Thornton over the offseason talked about the, how the roster didn't need to be overhauled. It just needed some tweaks, and it was kind of a meltdown in the LAFC fan base <laughs> uh, because it was like everybody wanted you know a lot more change, a lot more signings. Um, so anyway, I, I I appreciate that you said tweaks because uh, it's gonna it's gonna increase the mentions here. Good, um, you're welcome. Yeah. Okay. Well, quick question for you, Kirk. On that, it, it was more than a tweak, right? That LAFC did to their roster. Certainly, a, a new starting yeah, goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. You know, Acosta is a huge move in MLS. Hollingshead's a big. I mean, there were legit moves. Escobar as well, who I'm really high on when he gets back into this team. I mean, there that's four potential starters, depending on how you look at this. That's it's not an overhaul, I would say, because you still have a lot of those key pieces, but it is it's a lot more than a tweak, JT. Right. Not that it's so yeah, I, I do think he was underselling it a little bit. And he kind of has this LAFC kind of have this way about them where everything comes late in the window. You never hear anything uh until there's no rumors. They have it's a very tight lipped yeah. uh organization. So uh, despite Tom Bogert's best intentions, he's not like, there's just not, there's no information out <laughs> Keep there. Keep at right? it, Tom. Keep at it. Um, so there, I mean, there were big moves and I think, I think one of them has a lot to do with why this team is playing so well. It's Maxime Cropo, right? You've seen their XG against plummet. I think that's one of the biggest reasons that they've been so successful this year is because they go from, you know, giving up 1.5 to point whatever xg per game to not even half a half a half a goal or half an yeah. xg right um so it's he's helped immensely and yeah you bring in two starting midfielders in Ilya sanchez and and yeah, Ilya. Acosta, and of course it completely changes the way this team performs and 
Uh, I can't remember if last year when you were on, we talked about it or not, but that was, that's been mine and Josh's biggest complaint for a long time is the midfield became static. And even with Edward Atuesta, it just wasn't creating as it, as it should have. Um, so yeah, I, I tweaks might be underselling it a little bit. I, I do agree. I think that that midfield question mark is very much real to start the season. Kirk, you had a great thread about that. It was after the Vancouver game, correct? Um, that, that you and Josh talked yeah. about that in detail yeah. and you had a, mm-hmm. a nice long thread about it. And and I was watching that game. I'd watched it actually after I listened to the show. And I mean, there were a lot of red flags in that moment. I, I, yeah. I should back up one step. LAFC, very good team. I think they're going to be a very good team. I, I like a lot of what Trundolo has done. And I, I would be surprised if they weren't a legitimate threat in the West and, and a threat for trophies this year. That's my general yeah. Yeah. overarching take on this team. But but when you have a team that has this much potential, you got to nitpick, right? You got to look at some of these things. Right. And, and right. I think the clips that you posted and, and some of the things that, that you guys talked about last season headed into this year, I think you're absolutely spot on with it with an LAFC team that's going to have as much of the ball as they they do and, and as they will. You need more precision from those central midfielders and, and not even necessarily, although you, you do want this, not even necessarily like on the ball. A lot of the stuff that you were posting in the, the clips in that Vancouver game and we've seen it other times in the season as well. It's the off ball stuff, right? That's one thing that I think you're mentioning things that could be improved to elevate the ceiling of this team. Yeah. Like that's got to be high up on the list, right? It's in that game. It was blessing and Cifuentes, you know, either being Mm -hmm. weirdly close together or just trapped in a cover shadow and not helping Ilya or not helping the center backs progress play and giving Vancouver exactly what they want, giving them transition moments to go and try to threaten. And Vancouver didn't do a whole lot of threatening in that game, generally speaking, but better teams will, right? Better teams will catch yes. you in those moments. Yes. And, and one thing that intrigues me about the positioning of those players, um, just just basically imagine, you know, players hanging out behind the the midfield line of, of four, I think that's what it was more or less in that game, a three, four, one, two sort of shape. Mm-hmm. It was fluid, but hanging out behind the midfield line, not really making themselves a, a way uh, available for passing. I think in that moment, one thing that's intriguing is those players just basically being in those spots for rest defense, right? For, for winning second right. balls. Right. But one thing that I, I just can't help but shake is this idea that, yeah, yeah, you want to have good positions in rest defense and LAFC have, have done that very well. They, they're extremely active in counterpressing more this year than last mm-hmm. year. And that's been one, one change from Chirondolo mm-hmm. to Bob Bradley, I think, but you can still be active in rest defense and active in counterpressing with good attacking spacing. Right. Like that's yeah, yeah. it's not impossible. Those things can square together and it's early on in the year. Right. It's it's early days still. And so there's there's time to fix this stuff. There's going to be things that need to be worked out here. And this is one of them. But that is something that I think you guys have been really wise to talk about and something I've seen in, in the film that would elevate this team. If you just have those players move out of cover shadows, you, you show them a little bit of film, you point out like in an hour video session, like it doesn't have to be all that complicated here. It's never going to be perfect, but improving the the positioning and possession will help you break down teams that are going to sit deep and a whole bunch of teams are going to sit deep against LAFC this year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's for me, I think if you look at the Vancouver match and you consider who started with Jose Cifuentes and, and Latif Blessing, that's that's the reason, right? They're both a very similar profile, right? Yeah. Very active in the press, not the greatest attacking threats, um, we've seen, we've seen, um, Jose Cifuentes just take so many long shots. And this is something that we've asked for. We, I like that he does that. I like that he tests keepers. One of these days he's going to put one on, on at least on frame and possibly in the back of the net. But, um, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not 
possession style midfielders. Yeah. Um, and going back to 2019, LAFC didn't need that. They played with Latif and with Mark Anthony K and they just suffocated teams and then created on the counter. Um, but if you are going to have more of the ball, like you said, and you're going to, and you want to create these kind of moments from possession, then you're going to need something a little bit more. Honestly, after, after this weekend, you look at a guy like Luca De La Torre, who is just, he, I feel like that's his best, like that's what he's best at. He shows up to support players on the wing or the fullbacks or the center backs in pockets of space, drives into more space and then dishes, right? It's almost, in a lot of ways. Sometimes I, Josh and I talk about it as like the old, uh, the old, it's really, it's like seven or eight years ago, but <laughs> the Miami heat of the LeBron and, and D Wade days, right? Where right. LeBron is playing point forward and drives and just attracts so much attention in the paint that there's just wide open shooters all over the all over the floor. Uh, so it's a similar concept to that. And I, I would love to see them have one more guy. Uh, right. Ross Barkley. D- yeah. <laughs> Ross Barkley. I actually tweeted out before the season that they should go get Luca um, as well. Or instead, uh, I think that's completely off the table. But, you know. I live in fantasy world where we're seeing Ross Barkley <laughs> or Luca De La Torre. Um, well, and, and, and to your point there, Kirk, sorry to interrupt. I, I think I think you're absolutely right with that. You talked about the profile of Blessing and Sifuentes being pretty much the same, and I, I yeah. agree with you. Physically, Sifuentes obviously is a bigger dude and, and is a little stronger. Blessing maybe a little quicker, but generally speaking, they're they're very similar players in that yeah. way. Yeah. And I would put Acosta in that group as well. I know I know he has a different positional profile at times or at least he has right Baralter mm-hmm. is is more inclined I think to use him as a six than he is as an eight if he has all of his options available to him and I think there's there's reasons for that maybe less so with LAFC I'm still not exactly sure on that at the moment I, but for the record I, I I do like him as an eight for LAFC I think sure I think in international play he's probably going to be ex- or he has been exposed more at that at that position I think he's more comfortable as a six for international play but Anyway, and, okay, I want to I want to continue that thread in a second, but I want to circle back to yeah. Acosta right now. Actually, so what is it for you that makes him a better option as an eight than a six? Maybe set Ilya. Like, is it is it Ilya alone? It's it's is honestly Ilya. I I, yeah, I okay. thought I when they signed Acosta, I was like, okay, here is the heir apparent to Atuesta, right? Uh, because we've seen him play well as a six for uh, for the USMNT in you know a handful of games. Sometimes sometimes he looks uncomfortable, but. You know, that everybody does. Yeah. Um, and so I, I honestly didn't know what to make of the Ilya signing. I didn't know much about him. And then watching him in the first couple of matches, it's like, oh, this guy can actually ball. This He's very good. He, Yeah. And he's so good in possession. In a lot of ways, he does things that you wanted from Atuesta that he, he just didn't do. I think his defensive positioning uh, and the way he reads the game sets himself up to not be exposed defensively. Mm-hmm. Atuesta, you know, was younger, had had the legs to catch up and stuff like that. But if you watch San- Sanchez off the ball, like he's never in the wrong spot ever. He's always he's always there. So, yeah, that, that's a completely fair reason. Selfishly, from a USMNT perspective, I wanted to see Acosta play the six. Yeah, with yeah. LFC to get reps, right? Because Tyler Adams yeah. is a fragile a fragile man. So, yeah. you know, when that's not happening. You have to look at the reasons why Acosta is a capable six, but Ilya, to your point, Kirk, has been unreal this season. He's been one yeah. of the best ball progressors in MLS. I agree with you that his his defensive positioning has been great. I mean, why 
why on earth do you do do folks think that Sergio Busquets is still able to play as a six in La Liga yeah. in, in highest level of soccer in the world? It's mm-hmm. not because he's this ridiculous athlete. It's because he he sees things faster than everyone else. And Ilya right. is a is a very 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 budget version of that. But he's MLS's version of that in a lot of different ways. So I think that's totally fair to to appreciate Acosta at the eight because of what you lose when you take Ilya out of that lineup. And I think we'll see both this season. But back yeah. to the to the eight profile discussion. It really is Acosta, Blessing, and, and Sifuentes, who I think have roughly yes. similar profiles in a lot of ways. High energy, mobile, going to cover ground, quick to the ball in, in large respect and counter pressure. Why not, and I say this without spending any of my own money here, but why not get someone with a different profile, right? Uh-huh. He doesn't have to play every game, but someone who can bring you, like let's say you're coming up uh, to a game against Portland, right, later in the season, away and, and or, or a home game, whatever, against something that's going to be sitting deeper, right? Why not give yourself that little bit of of security right with with the ball and with their ability to progress and create a little bit and take some of that burden off the front three I don't know if if John Thorington will make any of those moves but I think from a roster diversification standpoint like I don't know a lot of the best teams in MLS have have that change of pace I think about NYCFC who I think might have the deepest roster in in the league or at least they're certainly up there you look at their central midfield group and they have Keaton Parks, who's an incredibly technical player. They have mm. Kacha Acevedo, who doesn't play a ton. But, I mean, when he does, his his performance is really nice on the ball. And he's creative. And he progresses play. But then they also have Alfredo Morales, who's the really the starting right. player next to Parks. In a, and I think in Ronnie Dallas' first choice, 4-2-3-1. And he's not, he's not going to really break a ton of lines for you. He's capable on the ball. But he's aggressive. He's going to close you down. But they have Acevedo if they need him. They have Morales if he fits the game better. Parks can do a lot of the ball progression. They have a nice complement of players. And I think LAFC have that between the sixes and the eights, but they maybe don't have that in just the eight profile. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, one guy that people bring up is, is Pancho Ginella, who just he's never really – I don't think he has the athleticism to play yeah. in this midfield. He doesn't have the defensive chops either. Um and that's going back to his Montevideo days. Like he's just never been a great one v one defender. Uh, and when he was playing in Uruguay, with all the film that I saw, he was able to kind of make up for it with positioning and intercepting passes and kind of reading the game back to the Busquets, Ilier type of thing. But you you can't do that as the eight in the system. Like you, and obviously that's Ilier's job. So all right, the six is the is Ilier's job at this point. So he's just never really fit. So I do think. Uh, that you need somebody of a different profile. I think the midfield has looked best this year with Sifu, Acosta, and and Sanchez. And mm-hmm. I think if you upgrade Sifu and bring him off the bench, then you're really going to be a team that is formidable, not only in MLS, but in CCL as well. And that, I mean, that's this is a luxurious conversation to be having, right? I mean, Sifuentes is, yeah. is a, a real international soccer player right he's he's a part of the ecuadorian national team he's a very good player his numbers are are great and a lot of what he does on the field is extremely valuable Mm -hmm. but if we're talking about raising this team from a trophy contender to a trophy favorite i don't think you have to look too many other places before you land on maybe tweaking the profile and finding one central midfielder who is still mobile enough to be effective in the press and to be effective in the counter press. Yeah. Uh, fitting, fitting a uh, phrasing there for me on this podcast, but also <laughs> someone who can do the ball progression. And I Luca promise de Torre, you, we did not pay Joe for this kind of <laughs> Luca de, de la Torre is a great shout for that because yeah, yeah. every time I watch him, I'm impressed, of course, by what he does on the ball. And, and that's a big part of what he does for Heracles and what he does for the U.S. 
Right. And he buzzes around the field like so few other American players. He is quick. Yep. He's aggressive. He's willing to press. And he's not maybe the, the best at that right now. But I think someone like that would be a, a huge get and a really valuable get for LAFC. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so I feel like we've kind of wrapped up the midfield discussion. And sure. Like looking elsewhere where LAFC has solidified. Uh, I mean, the last year, one of the biggest complaints was their finishing. Uh, they only converted, I think, nine percent of their uh, of their shots last year. Let me see here. Uh, shot conversion rate last year was nine percent. They're up to seventeen. Again, not against the greatest teams, but that's a significant jump. Um, uh, and I think last year there was so much talk about uh, LAFC needs a true number nine, true number nine, true number nine. They brought in Arango, Vela's back healthy, Rodriguez is there. And, even though he's not scoring goals, he's never been a goal scorer. He's always been uh, somebody that that sets up goals and that works off the ball really well. And so it seems like they've they've fixed that position. So, like you said, I I I don't think you need to spend DP money on the front line anymore. Yeah, because it seems like those positions are taken care of. Yeah, and even with a guy like Apoku as well, who's yes, been Opo- oh, yeah, a sorry. real player in this I front line. I mean, he's the lead there. Is there? Am I missing something? Is there something with Arango? I know there was maybe a, a little injury earlier on in the season. What, what's the deal there? Yeah, towards the end of preseason, he, I think it was a, a soft tissue. Okay. Uh, we don't have our injury expert Josh on the on the show today, but <laughs> I, it's there was some sort of minor tweak, so he was available but didn't really play. So I think he's he's still coming up. But yeah, the revelation. I mean, we saw some flashes last year of Opoku, but. I mean, the more the more time that Arango spends injured, the more it yeah. looks like Opoku has got a stranglehold on that on a starting job. Yeah, so I won't say that Opoku is just keeping Arango on the bench because I, I figured there right, was something right. else there, and I knew there was at least some injury, but I didn't know the severity there. But man, he's been he's been really valuable for LAFC in the front line, fitting within mm-hmm. the, the biggest tactical change I think we've seen, and it's not all that much of a change; it's maybe more of an emphasis from Torundolo, uh is he's pressing. Apoku is is the yeah. most active presser on this team. It, it's borne out in the numbers, and it's certainly borne out when you just watch him play. He's everywhere, right? He's quick. He's going to get to the ball at really, really fast. He's in that front line. He's aggressive in that group, and he started three of the four games this season. I think that, in in addition to the Arango things, so we, we have that as part of the reasoning here. But I also think Apoku and how much Trundolo seems to like him, it's a statement of intent from, Chilundo, from Trundolo in that forward line. He wants to press, and Vela's never going to really be that guy, and, and right. B-Rod can do some of that. And I think he's he's done a, a decent amount this year, but Apoku is a guy who can really provide a lot of energy in those spaces off the ball with, with his defensive pressure, but then even on the ball, right? He's had some really great creative moments in that front yeah. three this season, re- leading to, to real scoring chances. I mean, he's been a danger for them on the front line, and I don't know... I really don't know that he's going to be the starter, like the every game starter by the end of the season. I, I don't know. We're not really sure what that's going to look like yet. At least yeah. I'm not. But he's a key player, and I, I would expect him to play. I think he's already played more MLS regular season minutes this year than last year. I think he's going to do a mm. lot more as the season progresses. Yeah, it, his he he has like cheat code speed. Yeah, for MLS, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, I, I it'll be. I, I'm excited to see him play internationally, and when he eventually moves on from LAFC, because. I don't, I mean, granted, I'm, I'm not like, uh, I haven't watched MLS for, you know, 25 years, but I don't ever remember seeing anybody as fast as him relative to everybody else there. I mean, there is, 
it's it's like watching remember like old school NBA jam when you'd put on yeah, combo mode, yeah. right? It's it's insanity to watch him run even on the ball too. And he's impossible to take off the ball. I, I mean, he, the way I, I talked about it a few weeks ago with Josh, the way that people go into challenges on him and he's able to keep the ball, not only close, but on his foot going through challenges at speed is, is really bizarre to watch. And he's, he's a great attacker for it. Uh, and like you said, he's not only scored, but he's also set up big chances. And I mean, he had the non-assist available because of a deflection, you know, last week. But um, he's he's been fantastic. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a fun player, and I'm excited to see where his career takes him. And but, and Kirk, you mentioned there kind of before I slightly derailed us to Opoku. You mentioned the the finishing and the chance the chance mm-hmm. conversion rates for LAFC. That's an interesting one. And I, I would imagine that levels out a little bit as the season goes on. Um, and, and the focus, I think, for every team should be less about, you know, are we converting our shots and more about are we getting shots in good spots, right? That's kind of the underlying yeah, XG yeah. principle. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I think those numbers have proven, and a lot of smart people, way smarter than me, have proven that good teams want to think about soccer, right? right? At right. least in, in the attack. So one thing, I think it's too early to tell this from any of the XG numbers. I don't think we have enough of a sample size yet. But one thing that I'm certainly going to be watching for as this season progresses is, especially if LAFC is going to have this much of the ball. And I don't think it'll stay at 58% or whatever right, it is now, right. but it'll be high. It'll be in the upper upper fifth or even higher in, in MLS. How are they going to use the ball to create chances, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the question that every big team asks themselves in one way or another. Teams do it differently across MLS, but LAFC are going to have a ton of the ball. And I, I want to see more data on them before I draw any real conclusions there. Their chance creation numbers have been okay. Not not great and not yeah. nearly as good as their first place spot in the West would would indicate. But a huge part of that's got to come down to the fact that they're having to go against bunker defenses every single game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Vancouver maybe didn't bunker so much, uh, but they, they certainly sat deep at times. Portland is probably the best example of that going right, down a man. Right. You, already, you already talked about that game. But man, it's, it's going to be fascinating for me to watch how this team goes about creating chances. I've seen some tweaks in in the attack in terms of their possession structure. The one issue that we talked about is the midfield and the positioning, so we can set that aside. But uh, Acosta's talked about, okay, I guess this is still midfield related, but Acosta's <laughs> talked about how it's it's fluid between the six and the eight, and at times yeah. they will rotate, and Ilya will maybe push a little wider into the back line, and someone will drop deeper. So there's some fluidity in central midfield, maybe in, in different ways. It was still fluid last year with that Tuesta pushing forward, but I don't think Ilya is going to do nearly as much of that this season. So you have yeah. that aspect. And then the fullbacks. I think you and Joshua talked about this as well. I looked at some of the numbers earlier today. The fullbacks aren't as involved in the attack. And I don't know right. if that's a, a first month thing, if that's intentional or not. I would guess it's at least partly intentional. There's fewer passes attempted in the final third from those fullbacks. There's fewer progressive passes and fewer key passes from the fullbacks compared to last year in this right. first month of the season. I mean, I think a lot of that maybe has to do with the rest defense idea we've already talked about and, and wanting to really dominate the ball and, and use possession as a defensive tactic more even than an offensive one at times. But I want to see more of this team with the ball and, and really get a look at how Terundolo is trying to set them up to create chances because it's been okay, but it hasn't been great. And there's going to be a lot more games like the ones LAFC have had. There's also going to be more open ones, but there's certainly going to be more games like Portland. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, I, I'm, I'm happy you brought up the fullbacks because obviously they two big signings in Hollingshead and yeah. Escobar. Um, uh, Hollingshead obviously just decided that he's going to burn the entire place down last week. 
with his two goals. Yeah. Uh, but they they do play much further back um, in a way that makes me feel safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's like so many, you know, LAFC got countered so many times. And I mean, that goes all the way back to 2019. If, if teams are going to score and then it was going to be a ball into the channel, an early, early ball into the channels of the pacey winger. And then, you know, I, I think back to uh, this game against Minnesota United that they played where Mason Toy just yep. wrecked them, right? And it's because they bunkered in a 5-3-2, uh, I think it was. Maybe it was even a 5-4-1. Um, and Toy just countered them like two big-time counters. Uh, essentially all on his own down the wings. And so it's, it's, I'm happy to see that. I know that, you know, when Escobar and Hollingshead do get involved, Hollingshead seems to be more in the midfield. Escobar's a little bit more aggressive and, and down the wing. Um, but what we've noticed is that they tend to just backfill more. So they're mm-hmm. waiting. The, the default isn't just overlap with Raito or, or Vela, right? It's read what's going on ahead of you and then move into the space. Um, so maybe not the most dynamic thing. The other, the other part of it is like you said, if, if one of them is going, Ilya will, will drop back or Acosta will, will drop back and cover for them. So you still maintain that back four shape, um, not necessarily a straight back line, but you know, the, the old W with right. your full backs and your, and your six being the high point on the W. Um, so at, it they are much more disciplined and I, I think they're much harder to counter as a result because they always have numbers back. But like you said, it's a double-edged sword of how are you going to create your chances if you do go with an all workman midfield like right. Sifu and Blessing and you're and you don't have super creative fullbacks like, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold to to help uh pick up the slack. Yeah, and I know I said the word profile a thousand times already, and I, I apologize <laughs> for that. But I, I think about it, and I don't know why this just occurred to me. It, it might not just be Chirundolo's instructions here. There also is a is a profile element to Hollingshead and to Escobar. And I know we haven't seen Escobar in a couple of games now, but Escobar, in in my mind, is is a very capable right back, a player I like a lot. He's also a guy who spent a lot of time at center back, right center back and a back right. three especially. And, right. and there's freedom that Tata Martino and I think Frank DeBoer as well. They used him and allowed him to do some of that aggressive stepping into midfield in possession. Also some overlaps as well. Got the the Sheffield United vibes at times, but. Mm. There's there's not, with Escobar, not this every single play I'm going to overlap tendency because I don't think he's been used that way, and I don't know that that's his best thing. He's very good at doing that, but it, we just haven't seen a ton of him doing that job, at, a, at least consistently in the past, at, in MLS, and I don't believe in Argentina either. So that's Escobar on the right. And if we're going to see Hollingshead on the left, there's a, still a chance we see him on the right. I mean, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but with Dallas, which is where he's been for forever now, or where he had been for forever, playing left back under Lucha Gonzalez and even before that, he's not this overlapping presence. Far more often in my mind, he would tuck into midfield and, and right. drive and, and occupy right. the half space more than anything. And you can get those rotations out with with Holling set at left back in the left half space and, and B-Rod maybe a little wider or whoever, right? Because LAFC's front three is incredibly fluid. So I don't even know that those players have set roles necessarily in that front yeah. line. Yeah. But you can you can make it work. Like like the players are good enough. You have Escobar as as some as this distributive presence on that right side, and he shapes balls really well with that right foot. So he can provide service if, if you get him in the right spaces, maybe some early crosses from a little deeper. You can have Hollingshead occupying space centrally and, and, and Rodriguez out wide, driving inside, dribbling at people. Right. You can do this, but I think it's going to take some more time, one, for this team to gel, and two, for us to be able to draw 
really hard and fast conclusions about is this team Absolutely. better with the ball this year than they were last year? What does that look like against a bunkered team? There's just a lot of changing pieces from this year to last year in that respect. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And for me, it's um, when I, again, when we talk about them just being more solid defensively and, you know, we're still struggling to create chances and in a lot of ways it, it mirrors the uh, the same problems that the USMNT has, right? Where we're not really sure, like, okay, they play well in tournaments because they're real. I mean, they're impossible to score against. Um, they create some chances off of set pieces. We're still not sure how they're going to create all their chances against tougher competition. Uh, so I, I, you know, what time, time will tell. One thing that I will say is that um, they are much more dangerous from attacking set pieces and specifically mm. corner kicks this year. One thing that I love about the way that they sent up for corner kicks is they put Jose Cifuentes at the top of the box, like right at the top of the D. And that man eats second balls. Like yeah. if there's a clear, if there's a headed clearance from the defense, he will win it. So even though we just talked about, you know, they probably need to upgrade Sifu <laughs> to create more chances. Like he's been a key part of, of being able to score off of corner kicks. I think they have two goals off of second chances, second chance corner kicks now. Um, the screamer from Hollingshead, last week was was one of them where the ball gets headed away sifu sends it right back into the mixer and it comes back out and you know he takes it on the half ball we've all seen the goal um so you know maybe maybe set pieces are going to be more of a strength for them this year whereas last year they were often their undoing um but yeah i time will tell what we what we get from them so yeah no doubt and, and that set piece trend is a great way to make up for for not creating chances in open play, which is not to say that LFC haven't done that this season. There's been a, a decent amount of it. But breaking down a low block is, without a doubt, in my mind, the hardest thing to do in soccer Absolutely. at all. And so yeah. if you can compensate for games when, realistically, you're just not going to be humming. Like, like even Manchester City have those games, and they have... The, the talent differential between Man City and a bottom third Premier League team is so much wider than LAFC and a bottom third MLS team. There's just, in my mind, there's no comparison there at all. Mm -hmm. City have the cards stacked in their favor for a whole bunch of different reasons, and most of them are are money-related, right? (laughs) So LAFC don't have that luxury. They have been more ambitious, and they've spent more and and better, I guess I should say, on their roster than a lot of other teams in MLS have, and they have a very good squad. But even a very good squad is not going to break down the opposition every single time in MLS. It's just not how it works. And I think that's, it's one of the selling points of the league. I really do. Yeah. But if you're that team trying to break the opposition town, it's going to be frustrating when you don't do that. And if you can bail yourself out or, or just really overcome the, the logical consequences of, of how the league is structured and how you're trying to play, if you can overcome some of that with set pieces that puts you in a, a really good spot in a much better spot than if you're ineffective in those moments, which is a really obvious thing to say, but right. LAFC are going to be faced with those challenges over and over again this season. And if they can get a goal or two on a set piece in, you know, a couple times a month, right. That's, that's not bad. Right. Well, and I mean, I think, I think your point about league structure is a good one and it, not, a, not only roster structure, but also how do you actually win a championship in MLS? Mm. And I think this is a lesson from 2019 where, you know, you go out and you have what, may be the historically best team in MLS in 2019. Um, You put, you set the points record, every record for goals scored goals against like you're this phenomenal, you're this phenomenal. Oh my goodness. Phenomenal team. (laughs) Um, But you, you go out in the semis in us open cup and you have an early exit in the playoffs to Seattle. And ultimately 
there's no star on your chest at the end right. of at the end of the year, right? Um, so being a little bit more solid defensively and 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 being more opportunistic on set pieces and and maybe playing a, a safer, slightly more conservative game. It's not a bad recipe, it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a bad recipe at all. Right, it's right. It's hard. I think about Italy as being maybe the latest example of yeah, just how yeah. brutal playoff soccer is, right? And how right. Un- unfair it is. They created the better chances against North Macedonia. They were the better team in that game. They're, they're one of the best teams in the world, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they really are. At the Euros, see people talking about how they're, you know, they were playing. Michael Cox wrote a piece for The Athletic that I, I must confess I haven't read. So I'm doing the crime, the, the biggest <laughs> sin of journalism right now, only reading the headline. Should I give you the Twitter warning? It. Would you like to read the article first? Joe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> His, that, that's maybe what I need right now. His headline was about how Italy were built not to lose and rather than yeah. to win. And I think in some ways that's true. Dominating the ball, their rest defense structure as well, the way they'd, they'd tuck a fullback in on the right side and they'd have Florenzi join the back too, right? So this was a really good team though. Whether whether they were built to win or not to lose, either way gets to the same place. So yeah. they were a really good team and they lose and they're out of the World Cup, right? You lose in that that playoff and and you're done, right? And yep. in MLS, I think it's, it's very much the case that the best team almost never wins MLS right. Cup. That's right. just how it works. And so it's this weird it's this weird conflict of of wanting to be the most dominant team in MLS, but also realizing there's no guarantee that that gets you anything, right? You might yep. not win in the Supporter Shield. You, you might, and, and you probably will if you're that good in MLS. But winning MLS Cup is a totally different ballgame. You need a lot yeah. of luck. You need a lot of things to go your way. But a great way to start trying to shift some of those things in your favor is is to shore up the defending. And, and a yes. big part of that for LAFC, we mentioned his name in a couple times, is Maxime Cripo. I, yep. I cannot think of, of legitimately, I don't think I can think of a bigger offseason acquisition in MLS than Maxime Cripo, right? With how yeah. much LAFC struggled in goal last season, and some great things have been written about this on AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com, really good analysis there. Wherever you can find any sort of any sort of post-shot expected goals, which is just right. where the ball is, is landing on the goal mouth after it's been shot. So not where it's been shot from, but mm-hmm. where it's going to go and where it's going to cross the line if you draw a vertical plane up from the goal line. LAFC last year were were downright terrible in that metric. They were letting in goals that they shouldn't have, and it really hurt them, right? If you're looking for a reason why they missed the playoffs, that's the biggest one, without a doubt for me. I think it's yeah. borne out in the stats, and, and we know how valuable shot stopping is, right? So when you don't have that, you're vulnerable. And LAFC did a ton of great stuff in open play. There's still some weird stuff there with the midfield and some some strange rotations at times. So they weren't perfect, but man, Headed into this season, if there's one thing for LAFC fans to feel confident about, or at least hopeful about, as as they try to will their team to an MLS Cup or to some sort of trophy, it's having at least a, a steady and capable presence, and maybe a whole lot more than that, in Maxime Cropot in that back line. LAFC are at least yeah. positive, according to FB Ref, in post-shot expected goals. They're not one of the best teams this year, but they're, I mean, they're in the upper third, I believe. Right. And, and the numbers right. are green and not red. And that's huge for them this season as they try to push for a trophy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about percentages, right? Where yeah. if you're if you're allowing fewer chances on your keeper and he's saving more of those chances, then invariably they're going to be good. Yeah. Um, and it, I, when when they first got him, I was like, okay, you know, you have a starter. You know, he's an excellent shot stopper because he shot he stopped all your shots in November. Um, <laughs> and then the the big surprise to me was how good he is not only as kind of like the you know the the general back there organizing the defense and coming out when he needs to um any loose ball that comes over the top mm-hmm. it's like i'm always surprised that oh 
Kripo's there. He's like, he's already come out. You're not, you're not, you know, it's not Tyler Miller with Ghost of Zlatan haunting him anymore. Like he's just, he's just coming out and he's, and he's got it. Um, but also the play with his feet has been fantastic. And after they went out and spent, I can't remember how much money, it was over a million dollars to, to bring in their Dutch goalkeeper, right? Yeah. Vermeer. Uh, to see somebody, it's like, oh, this guy was just in MLS who's brilliant with his feet. Like, oh, okay. And it goes back to the the Colorado uh, match where Kellen Acosta checks back in after a recycled ball to Cropo, and he ju- he puts not quite a daisy cutter. It's more of just a driven pass right on the chest of Ilya in the middle of the field and ends up in a Carlos Vela uh, left-footed curler. It was like, oh, my goodness. where Like, this guy was just... In Vancouver, like losing matches left and right, <laughs> what an injustice, right? Um, so it was. He's he's been great. And the other thing that might not be apparent to people on the outside is he, the fan presence. This man mm. came in, and it, it could all be fake. I don't know. He might just be, you know, trying to get an Oscar too, and he's joining every all the other actors in LA. Uh, but his work with the fans has been top notch he's he's a fan he was a fan favorite before he even took the field because of how um just how happy he seemed on social media and appearances to be in la so uh, it it's a it's a it's an amazing signing and i want to give credit to to john thorrington we talked about the roster in between an overhaul and a tweak right yes. the roster changes I, I like so many of those moves right from a personnel standpoint we've gone through a lot of of what's changed tactically. I'm not even going to say stylistically because I'm I'm genuinely not sure that there's been a, a general stylistic change. No, and that was that year. was a point. That was a point of of John Thornton's was, hey, we're not changing anything. Right. Like the the model the mod obviously the game model comes from him. Like this, yeah. all this stuff is from him, and that's why they brought in Chirundolo. And a lot of people were frustrated that he was the guy right you mean the las vegas lights guy sure but, i mean if you the writing was on the wall a year and a half ago when bob leaves is going to be his it's going to be his team and it's not the it's not the hyper attractive option that i think a lot of folks wanted i don't remember the the name of the guy now but there was a manager in south america maybe in ecuador that was being uh was being bantied about a yeah, little bit yeah. right there uh, were other the names from, engaged yeah I, I, Mex too, I can't remember yeah. yeah exactly exactly there were options here but you go with Steve Trundolo, and I think a lot of the tactical stuff has been has been good. It's not been perfect. We've already talked about that. There's things to improve on. But, man, you look at the personnel stuff. Credit to John Thorrington for the moves made, right? Crepeau, huge addition. And if there's if there's anything that I think MLS GMs maybe have already learned or, or should be learning, it's that there is value in the goalkeeper spot in, in not burning an international roster spot and not paying a ton because you can find some reliable shot stoppers in in MLS. Not in right. every case, and right. it's not right for every team, but Crepeau certainly is an example of that. You have Crepeau. We talked about Ilya and the value that he brings defensively in the counterpress and, and as LFC are building in possession. It's a huge addition. Franco Escobar is not necessarily an intra-league move, but he kind of is. He wasn't playing with Atlanta, but right. they, they did have to right. acquire him from Atlanta. Really good player. We haven't seen the best of him yet for LAFC. I think fans should be really excited to see more of him. Yeah, Hollings said, a really key player as well. Very good fullback, good ball progressor, brings a lot of value. Acosta, I was a little skeptical of how much they paid to acquire him. But, I mean, he he brings value. He's a, he's a solid guy at a lot of different things. And I think he fits with what LAFC are trying to do in, in a lot of respects in central midfield. There's just so many good moves yeah. 
made by this front office that I think they deserve credit for reinforcing the spots that they did and in the ways that they did. Yeah. So if we can, if we can highlight Acosta real quick. Sure. Uh, I mean, if you look at it from like the past year, they essentially traded Mark Anthony K for, for Kellen Acosta, right? And I think, I think that was the right move. I think Kellen Acosta is a better possession-based midfielder. And again, like you said, they're they're a similar profile, but I, I he's a, he's a better creator than Mark Anthony K was. Obviously, his work on set pieces is good. Um, so I think it, it's not necessarily like a total upgrade in terms of overall quality. Um, if we were just giving them like foot ratings right where they were both like a 72 or 73 whatever but um for in terms of fit for lafc and what they actually need it's the it's the right move he's 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 different enough from cifuentes and blessing in ways that k wasn't that it it ends up being an upgrade for your team but and i i'm still not really sure what i think about about that, I, I don't know that I totally agree that Acosta is a better player than K, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know that I disagree either. I think that's that's sort of what I've, I tried to think about as that move went down, because you're absolutely right, Kirk. It, it essentially was a swap there. There's a difference, yeah. though, in contract, uh, and so that it's not financially right. a, a total right. straight swap. Acosta is going to be going to end up costing LFC, I think, a, a decent amount more than K yeah. would have. Yeah, 100%. But in terms of the trade value and allocation money involved, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's absolutely true. I think K in my mind, and maybe this is just where I have these these random clips playing over that's not a fair representation of his game. In my mind, he's dangerous on the ball with that left foot and, and can break lines and, and does that more than more than Kellen Acosta. But at the same time, I know there's lots of sequences when he was playing with LAFC where he's kind of trying to thread those through balls into nothing. And there's a yeah. lot of those frustrating possession moments. So I don't know. For me, the jury's out on on whether or not that was a necessary move from a sporting perspective. But I also understand there's a whole lot more that goes into these deals than than just those right, things, right. right? The Ryan Hollingshead move is a great example of that. It's it's not that he couldn't have helped FC Dallas, and I think he would have been a really fun part of a really fun Nico Estevez team through, through yeah, a month. Uh, they, but he didn't want to be phenomenal. there, right? He wanted to move. Watch. He wanted to do something different, and LAFC was the right spot for him and his family at this point in his career. So there's other things that go into this. K can take on a bigger role in Colorado. Acosta can get his move to to maybe a bigger market and, and yeah. get to do things that he hasn't just done before in his career. So there's a lot that goes into this stuff. But regardless, I think we agree that something might need to happen with this midfield. And I, I am curious about Acosta specifically, how he's used, because I don't know that Ilya can go 90 every single week. I don't right. know that he can do right. that job. And I don't know that he should do that either. Mm-hmm. So maybe Acosta does get some looks at the six, which presents some some different opportunities with the other spots. I mean, in the he, field. he played right back against Vancouver. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was kind of surprised that it was blessing in the midfield over Acosta, to be honest, and that it when Escobar was out. But kind of so, kind of funny to have two like the two MLS central midfielders that are also known for playing right back in right. the same team. Like Ble- blessing, that's yeah. kind of his brand is the utility man. He can do whatever, and Acosta yeah. very much has that same brand. So you got them both. Yeah, very interesting. All right. Uh, there's a couple there's so there's one question here from Lavanda Popular. I would love to hear uh, Joe Lowry break down the tactical differences between Bradley's LAFC and Torundalos. I think we already got to that. So we'll go on to the to the other question we got, which is from Boot on the Wing. Uh, as Joe is a self-proclaimed center back watcher slash lover, <laughs> what makes fall so unique? What is yes. his potential upside? This is something we admittedly probably should have talked about already. But yeah, I was uh, thinking about that too. It's probably good that we saved it here. So <laughs> Take the floor on Mamadou Fall, Joe. Mamadou Fall is this gazelle in the back line, he's, right? He's I think incredible. when when you look at what makes him unique, that's 
the first thing that comes to my mind is his build. It's the first thing you notice about him when he's playing. He's this young guy with really long legs. He's athletic. His strides are big and he loves to get forward. That's another thing. Or I guess let me expand that a little bit from loves to get forward to just loves the ball. Like he's a player who just loves the ball. He loves, at least it seems like from watching him, he loves doing things with the ball in possession. And that's perfect for this LAFC team. When you couple his build and his lankiness, which helps cover ground. And, and those center backs are going to be asked to do a lot of sweeping plays up. Crepo will do a lot of that. Yep. And the center backs will do a lot of tracking back when someone tries to play over the top, which is a natural way to try to, to break free from either a high pressing team or a counter pressing team. And LAFC does both of those things. So when teams play balls over the top, Fall can sweep in behind and do some of those things. And I do think there's a little room for him. This just comes down to inexperience for him to improve defensively and to improve his reads in 1v1 situations and, and covering ground, all that stuff. But yeah. as far as what makes him unique, his build is first on that list. His love for the ball was another thing. And his ability, right? He loves to drive forward. He's so yeah. good. And this dates back to last season in his minutes there, coming in as, a, at least in my mind, an unknown quantity, right? I, I didn't know much about Mamadou Fall. Like, this so was someone I was, had to research. He was behind, he was behind Traore who's yeah. like permanently with Vegas lights right now. And they signed fall like right after. And everybody was like, what another center, back? like another super young center back. And then they both wound up with the lights and then Dolo sent Mamadou fall right back to LAFC. and was like, yeah. this, this is the guy. Yeah. I mean, like this is, I, I almost like to imagine what it was like for LAFC to find Mamadou Fall in the first place. I'm sure somebody told them about them or, or I don't know exactly what the deal was there, but I imagine they're watching film for the first time and just kind of can't believe what they're seeing, right? This is yeah. someone, you know, Senegalese player. He's a teenager even still now and he's playing at yep. the Montverde Academy. Like that's, I know that as a basketball academy much right. more than like anything else i mean that's it's just a it's a bizarre situation a really strange roster move in mls but i imagine thorrington watching that footage and, and almost his jaw just dropping because of what this guy can do yeah how does nobody else like, pick up on this guy yet yeah yeah exactly yeah. that's exactly right he's not right away like necessarily a a top five center back in mls although i do think his numbers from from the season have been at that level yeah he's someone who i think you naturally want to see more of before anointing him because of how new he is and how young he is but man yeah. as far as young talented center backs go in mls i don't think there's any players that i would be interested Not in, in monitoring their career more than mamadou fall he is that good that fun which is is why i love center backs they drive yeah. forward and they can do so many fun things from the back he gives LAFC unique advantages. That's that's just the end of it. I think I think so. You talked about you know love for the ball, and I think that's right. He would make Tom Byer and soccer starts at home people like so happy because yep. he's he, dude loves to be on the ball, and he will drive not only until somebody challenges him, but until somebody makes him give up the ball. Like he is <laughs> yeah. not. That's I mean, a perfect we, way to phrase it. We've yeah. seen him dribble into the penalty area and win penalties. Last year against SKC, he just went on. He decided to like FIFA run it and straight into the box, got tackled, wins a penalty. And it's like that kid's a center back. Um, he, he's a phenomenal. Oh my, I got to stop saying this. He's phenomenal on on set pieces too. He's got I think six goals now. Um, in in a year playing as a professional he's he's just incredible i think also when it t- when it comes to to moves potential moves in the future you know a year or two out um i think he's going to really benefit from uh 
the kind of the resurgence of a three back of a three center back system mm. because he has all the home all the hallmarks of a guy that you actually trusted outside back. It's one of the reasons yeah. I don't really care for three back systems all that much because I think guys get shoehorned into it and they're not good enough on the ball. It's not like not everybody's Antonio Rudiger, right? Um, and Mamadou Fall is very much in that mold of he can play in a two back system or he can play in a in a three back system as well because of how much of a threat he is to to drive forward into space. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. He's so fun to watch. I mean, I, I've loved getting to see him grow already. And as someone who, who genuinely like just really appreciates center backs, <laughs> Fall is one of the most fun players to watch in MLS. And, and to do what he's doing at 19, to be a yeah. starter for one of the best and, and, again, most ambitious teams in MLS, that's huge. And I'm so excited to see how he continues to impact this team in possession defensively on set pieces. I think you're you're really wise to point that out, Kirk. Like he can he can do so many different things and watching him grow, and I do think he'll grow this season. Yeah. Watching him mature as a player, man, we could be looking at a at a generational type center back talent, someone that's gonna yeah. go and and play at a big club in Europe, who's gonna take the next step and be a legitimate starter on a very good team. That's yeah. not out of the question for fall. He's he's that good. Yeah, and I mean the the crazy thing is you still have Eddie Segura coming back from an injury in about a month, right? Uh, and I don't think Fall relinquishes a starting spot. I think it's probably Mario that ends up coming out, which is again crazy because he was the one that finally stopped the bleeding after with the Walker Zimmerman trade, uh, which looks worse and worse with every with every passing World Cup qualifying window, but. Um, yeah, so Mamadou Fall, just just great. I love. Do you have Kirk? Do you have a preferred starting center back pairing if everybody's healthy? Like if Segura's back, who Fall would you Segura, put in the back? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Any reason for? I don't disagree. I think I think that's what I would do as well. Any reason for Segura over Murillo? Uh, I think Segura is just so Murillo is really good one v one, but yeah. he has some all time blunder moments. Um, like single-handedly lost a couple of games last year with late goals. The the NYCFC match at at Bank of California is is top of mind. Where he just, I it's like a, if I remember correctly, it's he wins a ball and then decides to just play an errant pass right to the penalty spot, <laughs> and it's just like automatically put it in goal. Um, so he's he's good for for plenty of gaffes. And I think, I think that's what it is. I think, um, again, he's probably the best sweeper that the team has in terms of if, if, if play gets switched over the top, he's the, he's the one you, you trust the most to get sure. on the ball or to, to go after that ball carrier and actually dispossess them or delay them long enough. But in possession, he's just not, he's not the guy. Yeah. Segura, I think has the edge over him certainly and yeah. fall fall does yeah. as well with their work on the ball. And I think those two players are still mobile enough to to give you a lot of what Mario can give you. Yeah. And having having Mario in the rotation and someone again, Ilya might might factor in there as well at some point this right. season. Maybe not. I don't I don't know what Trundolo's idea is there, but there are options for yeah. sure. I agree with you. I think Segura and Fall would be my starting two. As well. I mean, the only other thing is last year I think there there would have been more difficulty because you're playing such short fullbacks. But now with Hollingshead, Escobar, and yeah. obviously last year with the keeper situation. Nobody like the keepers would never come out and cut out crosses, and that's something that's a big time strength of Max Cropose. So I, I don't worry about Segura's height as much 
because you have Fall, Hollingshead, Escobar, and Cripo back there to to help win those aerial crosses as well. So yeah, that makes a big difference for sure. Yeah. All right, Joe. Is there anything else you want to <laughs> any parting shots here that you want to get out on LAFC? No, no parting shots. I'm just excited to see this team play different kinds of teams. I guess yeah. is the best way I can yeah. say that. Orlando on Saturday, the Galaxy, although again, you mentioned that game could be just absurd, right? Who knows? Yeah. And then SKC after that, I think will be an interesting matchup. And Cincinnati, mm-hmm. those are the next four games for this team. Minnesota and Philly, like these are real teams. Cincinnati is is a wild card in there for sure. And they're, they're not at the level of a lot of those other teams I mentioned, but good early signs from Pat Noonan and, and former LAFC assistant yeah. coach Kenny Arenas there as well. Like it'll be, an, it'll be fascinating, I, do, I think, over the next couple of months to see how this team evolves. And I, I think there'll be a lot of things we talked about today that apply to this team's evolution and they'll give us things to watch for from this team. What are they doing with the ball? How are they creating chances off of all of those pressures and counter pressures high up the field? Cause there's a ton of those. How is the midfield looking? What kind of personnel rotations are we seeing? I'm just curious to see more. I've liked a lot of what's happened under Steve Trundlo and, and a lot of the moves that LAFC made this offseason. What comes next for them? I think we'll find out a lot about this team over the next month and month and a half. Yeah, I, I agree. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time. Do you want to give us a quick rundown of the millions of places we can find all your stuff? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, first of all, yeah, Kirk, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Second of all, you can listen to me on the Total Soccer Show, uh, on, on a lot of those shows. If you click on it, I'll, I'll probably be on it. Tons of fun doing that with Taylor and Ryan and Graham, the whole the whole squad there. You can read my writing at MLSsoccer.com for the most part, occasionally for The Athletic as well. I think, I think that's it. Oh, and you can watch us uh, doing some live shows for Bleacher Report. We're going to have a, a World Cup draw show out, I believe, on Friday. So we're doing some different video stuff for them, which is always a blast as well. Are you are you going to Qatar, Joe? Unknown. TBD. Okay. We'll find out hopefully in the next few weeks or so. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. You can follow us at, uh, at counterpress underscore me, at Kirk Kinsey or Josh at LAFC Josh on Twitter. Uh, Joe, again, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. And to everybody else, we will talk to you after the Orlando game.